welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. Well, we are continuing our series, looking at the movie uh, series, The Chosen, which is the number one crowdfunded uh, movie series, and I love it. It's about Jesus. And some of you are binging on this. You didn't know about it, and you got into The Chosen. I talked to somebody, they're like, we binged and did the whole first season. I can let you know that Beck and I have now done season one, season two, can't wait for season three. And today we're going to uh, look at season one, episode three, Jesus loves the little children. Now, this one just jumped out to me, and I want to let you know that uh, we're going to talk about how much he loves the children and how much we love children around River Valley Church. But before we get that, I want to let you know that all throughout history, I believe that the devil has, has put a target on children's back. He has attacked children, come after children, and it's like an unending war on children. And um, by no fault of their own, Children are exposed to so much today, more than ever, the, the harms that are out there, poverty and neglect and trauma and harm and, and just the impurity that children are, are exposed to at an early age. There is a war on children. I mean, I see little kids like just toddlers. I mean, they'll grab that iPad and they'll open it up and know how to go around. I'm like, dear God, protect them from things they should not see. There's like a war on children. And before we get to the clip with Jesus with the children, which is just absolutely adorable, I'm going to share some sobering stats that are actually very discouraging, very discouraging, and they're just sobering. They should wake us up. But the World Health Organization stated that in 2020, um, 5 million children died worldwide before their fifth birthday. These were from largely preventable causes, pneumonia, diarrhea, malaria, I mean, preventable causes, and 5 million children died in 2020. I'm not talking about COVID. I'm talking about other things that were preventable. 13,800 children a day in this world dying that are under the age of five. There's a war on children. According to UNICEF, 365 million children right now on this earth live in extreme poverty, 365 million in extreme poverty, and one billion children are multidimensionally poor. What does that mean? They lack basic necessities like nutrition or clean water. A billion children. Our response to COVID, additionally, globally, has thrust 150 million children into this multidimensional poverty. While we were hunkering down, children were bearing the brunt. And there was just a, a tension within me that was like realizing, as I was hearing from the field, people were saying, the poorest of the poor are, are being made even poorer, are suffering more. And I kept thinking, we're binging on Netflix and they're uh, suffering. And if I could go back, I wish we could go back and do our whole response to COVID all over again. Mother Teresa had a, just a sobering quote. She said, it's the greatest poverty to decide that a child must die so that you may live as you wish. And I think so many of us said, not me, I'm not, I'm not. And other children were just suffering. 
believe we need to reevaluate just what we're doing globally in light of all that's happening to these children. In the USA, again, these are sobering statistics. 7.9 million children have been abused. 142,000 children in foster care services. Five children die every day in America from child abuse. Almost 61,000 children are sexually abused annually in the United States. And there were 887,000 abortions in 2019, 2,500 abortions a day. It's like a battle, a war going on. And there's a war going on, children, and it's time for the church to once again just recommit and say, we're standing up for children. Jesus loves the children, and we love the children. We're gonna fight for them. Damn, those stats, don't let them just go by. Don't let them just go by. They wake us up, and I, I feel it in my stomach. Just, it makes me sick to see those things. We've got to do more to reach these children, take care of children, and do all we can. Jesus loves the little children. It was countercultural um, in his day, and, and he calls us to love the children. He actually says that when you welcome children, you welcome him. In Mark 9, 37, it says, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. Like he said, if you welcome the kids, if you welcome the little children, you're actually welcoming Jesus. And so this church will always welcome and love children. And in so doing, we will welcome and love Jesus with our whole heart. Now, in this chosen clip, I, I just say I love this episode because of all the things that they could have covered, uh, Jesus loving the children was just such a, a, a great thing that they grabbed out of it and put for all of us to see and put a, a, a true side on Jesus, a, a humanity that maybe some of you are like, wait a minute. And I, I want to set this clip up for you because Jesus in this clip that they're showing is about to go full children's pastor, all right? Uh, and for those of you that have not seen it, I mean, he's going to make sound effects. Do not be offended. All right. He's going full children's pastor here. And so as I set this up, there's a young lady by the name of Abigail. She has wandered in the woods and has discovered the place where Jesus is camping. He's doing some woodwork. He's building some projects. And she's discovered it. And the very next day, she brings her friend Joshua back with her. And they're sneaking up on Jesus now in this clip. And Jesus, again, is about to go full children's pastor in this. Take a look at this. I've never seen before. I don't know what it's for. I think he was building stuff. I don't know. And there was some food too, but even though I was hungry, I didn't take any because that would be wrong. But maybe we could take a little bit this time. What do you think? But I'm glad I didn't, because that's when the man got there. Come on, go faster. I'm trying, Abby, but your legs are going too fast. If he comes this time, should we say something to him? I think if you're with me, it's okay. I didn't see a sword or anything like that, so I don't think he'll kill us, and he seemed nice. Do you have a sword, just in case? Oh, we're almost there, here it is. Blessed are you, Lord, our God, King of the universe, who gives forth bread from this earth. And I pray that if there are ever two children who come visit my home here, that 
you will give them the courage Stay. to say shalom no. Stay. so that they will know they do not have to remain in hiding. He's a good man. Stay. Amen. We need to go. Stay. We are going to stay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's that sound I hear? Sheep don't sound like that. <laughs> No, oh, that's definitely not sheep. Maybe a rooster? <laughs> Greetings, children. You know, it is not safe for a child to wander from their home. You never know if there are bad men around. You are wise to bring your friend this time. Joshua. Shalom, Joshua. I admire your bravery to come here. You are a good friend. Well, don't worry. I'm not a bad man. See? I know it. You are free to stay for a bit, but I'm afraid I have some work to do. Okay. And thank you for not taking any food yesterday. See? I know it. So, what are you doing here? I'm visiting for a time. Where are you from? Nazareth. What is that wood for? I'm building something. Are you a carpenter? Sometimes, but I'm a craftsman. I build all kinds of things. So, why don't you live in the house? I travel a lot. How do you make money? Happy. Just asking him how he makes money. I know, you shouldn't. It's okay. I don't make money when I travel. So for now I build things and trade them for my food and clothing. What is that? Ah, this is going to be a lock and key. Joshua, ask him questions. He's nice. No, thank you. What else will you build? Wealthy people love decorations and toys for their children. My family isn't wealthy. Many times that's better. I don't know about that. <laughs> you will. My mom made me this. Oh, what's her name? Sarah. Very pretty. Okay, time to go home. Bye. Yeah, I absolutely love that Jesus went full kids pastor right there. And uh, if you've ever uh, ministered to kids, you will do sound effects, object lessons, and all of the above. How many know what I'm talking about, right? And I love that Abigail and Joshua, they're so excited about being with Jesus, they get other kids to come along. And I think we have a clip of it. And there's just all these other kids running around and running from Jesus. You could see the joy as they're running away. They've just had like time with Jesus, story time with Jesus. And they're talking and they're so excited about it. And just if you could hear the words that they're sharing, I absolutely love that. And I want to say that at our church, that's how I want kids to be in children's church. I want them to be so excited to come to church. I want them to be begging you, waking you up on the days you want to sleep in, saying it's not that much snow and they want to be in church. That's the type of church we want to have at River Valley Church. I remember once we had a kid's pastor that just was struggling with some things in his life and he just had lost his joy in ministering to kids. And I found out the kids were crying on their way to church. 
and that they did not want to come to church. This was years ago. I'd around in my office and I said, hey, I'm going to let you go. You need to go find your joy again for kids' ministry. We want kids to be crying that they can't make it to church, not crying that their parents are bringing them to church. And somewhere along the way, you lost your joy. Find it again. Find it again. Now, he found it again, and he's at another church. But at that point, I just had to say, we can't have that. We want kids to love Jesus and love being in this place. And so I love how this episode's just just depict it and said, you know, Jesus loves and values children. Matter of fact, he loves them so much that in Matthew 18, verse six, he said this, if anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me to stumble, it'd be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. I mean, think about that. He's right there by the Sea of Galilee. If, if you cause one of them to stumble, I'd rather have you tie this big stone around your neck. Like, don't make these little ones stumble because these kids are so valuable. They're so important, and I love them so much. I'll never forget when Connor was younger, he came running into the house, and he came in. He goes, Dad, I have a question. I said, okay, what is it? He goes, what's more important, kids or grass? I said, well, kids, kids are way more important. He goes, that's what I thought. He goes, grass can't hug you. Grass can't tell you that it loves you. Grass can't grow up to do anything for Jesus. He said, dad, somebody needs to talk to our neighbor. I said, why? He said, we were running across his yard. And he said, get off my grass. Somebody needs to tell him kids are more important than grass. Amen. (laughs) I didn't tell the neighbor, but I just pondered in my heart, you know. Kids are important, and Jesus says, don't you dare offend them. And in Mark chapter 10, people were bringing children. This is what the Bible says. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. Notice this, that when the disciples were saying, keep the children away, keep the children away, go away, read a book, get away, you know, he's like, no, he gets indignant. And it's interesting, there's not a lot of emotional like, context on Jesus. Like when he, when he prays over Lazarus, he's, he's weeping there. And the Bible tells us other spots he was angry in the temple. But it must be really important because it says he's indignant that his disciples would keep the children away. There was no cultural reason for them to do this. It was common for people to bring their children to be blessed by the religious leaders. Matter of fact, when I was in India, on one, a global team, we were going house to house with the pastor, and every time we would go into the house, the family would grab their children and bring their children over to the pastor, and he'd lay hands on all the children in the home that we entered, and he'd bless every one of the children. We'd be walking down the street, and the people in the community would see the pastor bless the child, and they'd hold them up, and the pastor would take them. So it was very cultural for Jesus to do this, to be able to pray and bless. But I'm just wondering, like, what were the disciples thinking? What were they just like, it's just kids. Have you ever thought that? It's just kids. It's just kids. It's just, no, it's, it's kids. It's children. 
that have great value. Maybe they were thinking, well, they're not important. Like the adults, that's really important. And, and, and rich people, they're important. And important leaders, they're important. Or maybe they were just thinking, hey, there's sick people that need a miracle. And we've got to get the sick people to Jesus. Get the kids out of here. I don't know what they were thinking. Maybe they're thinking that won't last. They'll forget. Maybe they were thinking uh, they, they won't really understand what's happening. They're too young to really understand his message. And I want to do this by a show of hands here at all of our campuses. And if you're online, I need you to type it in. All right? But by show of hands in the campuses and online, type it in. If you gave your life to Jesus age seven or younger, you were seven or younger, and you said yes to Jesus, raise your hand. Look around the room. Keep it up. Keep it up. 12 and under. 12 and under, you said yes to Jesus. Wow. Even more hands went up. You, before you left high school, you said yes to Jesus. Raise your hand. All across this place. I'm supposing it's the same online and in every campus. Put your hands up. Isn't that amazing? I was, I was seven years old. I said yes to Jesus. I understood that I had sinned even at the age of seven. And I repented of my sins, gave my life to Jesus. I still have the little certificate from Billy Graham Ministries. It says, Robbie Ketterling completed living for Jesus and trusting in Jesus. It's still in my office right now as I pastor. It stayed with me at a seven years old. So maybe the disciples are thinking, oh, they're too young. They're not too young. They're not too young. Jesus cared and, and loved the children. And I want to let you know that having a concern for children was not invented by the welfare state. It was invented by God. God loves the children. Jesus cares for the children. And he's like, bring the children to me. He was indignant that they pushed him away. We also see something historically that changed around 2 AD and continued even in the 4th and 5th century. Roman uh, historians wrote about it. The care for children changed. Isn't that interesting? Jesus comes on the scene and all of a sudden the care for children changes so much so that they're writing about it and they're saying that this, there's a new value on children. There's a new affection in parenting towards children that happens as Jesus comes on the scene. In Greek culture, there was royal rule which said the father was like the king and he could do whatever to his children. They were like his subjects. And Jesus says, hey, this king picks up kids and blesses them. This king picks them up and says, bring the kids here. I'm actually angry that you shushed them away. Don't shush those kids away. Bring them here. And he held them in his arms and he blessed them. I'll never forget when we added the Faribault campus to our church. We had one location, Apple Valley, and we were going to Faribault campus. And we, we, I got a call and they said, you need to be there you know, tonight and have this meeting with the deacons. There were four deacons. I remember uh, Dwayne Kaywell, Gary Cheney, Teresa. I forget who was the fourth, but there were four deacons there that night that were leading the church. And I said to our whole staff, our whole staff, we had 11, 11 on staff. I said to our 11 staff, now we have like 100 and some, but I said to our 11, I said, we, we got to go down there. We got to talk to them about if they're going to become a campus. They want to know if we want to go multi-site. And I said, don't even get a babysitter. Just, just bring your spouse and your kids. Let's all go down there. And so we go down there, spouse, kids. We, we got this army of people coming into this meeting. And we're there, I mean, like we had like four or five kids and we're there in the meeting. And I, I asked them, I said, you know, like we want to do, why do you want to go multi-site? Why do you think this is right for you? And I'll never forget, 
Derek Cheney, he just starts crying. And he goes, there's no one in our church that looks like anyone on that side of the table. He said, it's all old and, and we don't have any kids in this church anymore. And he goes, I wanna wash fingerprints off the window again of kids running around. I wanna see kids that are tripping over and, and I wanna see kids in this church again. I wanna see the next generation loving Jesus like we love Jesus. And I wanna wash those fingerprints. We just started bawling, bawling. And I said, we'll, we'll provide kids. <laughs> so don't ever get angry about washing fingerprints off the windows. Don't ever get angry. Like that's, there's, when you have no children, when you have no heritage falling behind you, you're like, we want to see the kids in here again. We love the kids. And I've learned this, that if you love lost people, you'll, you'll love children's ministry. If you love lost people, you'll love children's ministry. And I know this about our church. We love and value children. We love and value children because our Savior loves and values children. We see that in the Word. Um, again, using our kids and, you know, when they were younger, if you don't know this, I used to give them $5 every time I used them as a sermon illustration, you know, I did. Because I'd use them and then I'd go, you'd go out in the lobby and then you'd talk to my kids and you'd be like, Connor, your dad talked to me. You'd be like, oh man. And so I said, okay, I'll pay you $5 every time I use you. So then when you'd run out after I'd talk about them, you'd be like, your dad talked to me. He'd go, ching, you know, so I, I changed their spirit, but you know, they're good. They're good ammunition for a sermon, all right? But one summer, I, I said, we're going to explore Minneapolis and St. Paul. We're going to see the cities that we live in and that we surround. And all summer long, we did all these different field trips. And one day, I took them to the Basilica, and I wanted them to see, you know. So we went to the Basilica, and we walked in. Their jaws dropped. I mean, they'd never seen a church like that. I mean, River Valley, home of the warehouse church, you know. And they're like, <laughs> yeah. Connor looks around, he goes, Dad, you should pastor this church. And I said, well, they don't let you get married. He's like, oh, you know. And then we started walking around and they're standing in there and they're looking at, I mean, the altar gold and everything. And they go, what does kids church look like? I said, oh, let's go see kids church. We went down to the basement and I showed them the flannel graph and they said, what's wrong? Don't they know kids get the better room? And I was like, well, let's go talk to them right now, you know. They knew that we valued kids and we're like, hey, we're gonna spend that money on you. We're gonna invest in you. We wanna make sure that you come here and see that you are valued and, and there's a place for you. You're not an afterthought in a basement room. You're front and center. And we have a, that's why I love all of our kids series, yeah. With that hand clap, can we just say thank you to all the kids pastors, the volunteers, the workers, all people loving on the kids? Yes. I was thinking about this. Our kids workers and our volunteers and all those that are working kids ministry, you're the second best people in our church. Why are you the second best? The first best are our missionaries. We're sending those out. And the, but the best on the local level is our kids workers. I'm telling you what, we, you to see you praying for them and loving them. Matter of fact, I asked our, our kids ministry, Andrew Sneed, he's just become our new head of our children's ministry. I said, tell me what's going on because they're not babysitting kids. They are ministering to kids. 
He said in the infant and toddler room, they're praying over the babies. There's Bible lessons that they hear and worship that they listen to. Even though they can't fully take it in, we're playing it in their room, like baby Einstein type stuff. I said, he said, preschool, there's Bible lessons, there's memory verses, there's fun and care. And again, they're praying over them. With Go Port, there's Bible reading. They have the soap, they have worship, they're giving with the kingdom builders. They're giving to that. There's Bible application, altar moments. They hear missionaries. When we have a missionary speak to the adults, the missionaries leave the service, don't listen to me preach, and they go and they minister to the kids and they share with them and they talk to them about the places that they're ministering. And one service, just one service alone, they felt a desire to ask if any of the kids felt that they were part of the 500. And there were, I don't know, I think they said there were about 80 kids in the room. And they said 21 of the kids stood up and said they thought they were part of the future 500. We lo- they're being ministered to there in the kids' church. And then I said, what else do we have? They, and they gave me a whole list. They, we have JBQ, Junior Bible Quiz. And if you're not doing that, I encourage you to get those kids in there where they're getting the Word of God. There's Go Core, the midweek. There's uh, Bible lessons. There's the Christmas musical at some of our campuses. Club 45, where the fourth and fifth graders are developed as leaders. They also serve on the weekend in Flight Lab and Go Port. There's Go Live, where teenagers are serving the Go Kids. There's Kids Camp that we send them to. There's milestone classes of commitment to Christ, water baptism, the Holy Spirit, first communion, child dedication. There's a class for switch where they go from go kids and go into the youth group. There's, we, I mean, it goes on and on, all the different things. We love and value kids and we are ministering to kids at River Valley. Jesus loves the little children. I absolutely love what we see here. And if you're wondering, why do we even name the, uh, go, the ministry Go Kids? Why is it called Go Kids? A couple reasons. It's an action word. It's a great commission word. And as I was reading um, Psalm 127, verse four or five, it says, like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one, one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. And we said, these are like arrows in our hand and we are gonna shoot them to their destiny. They are gonna fulfill what God has for them to do. And we are gonna aim them at that target. It's go kids and they are going. And so I just pray that, that we will have that same passion saying, God, that we are excited about kids ministry at River Valley Church. Now I wanna illustrate this. We are so excited about ministering to adults and children at River Valley Church, and I just wanted to use this little illustration. We minister to adults and children, and we invest in them, and we have classes. Matter of fact, we even have a a separate kids service for the kids, because when I was in church, I grew up and and I'd get in trouble at church because I, you know, me and my brothers, we'd all act up. And, and so we try to sit with grandma and grandpa because how many know grandma and grandpa don't discipline you, you know? So we'd sit by them and, and grandpa had this hearing aid thing that he'd hold up to his ear so he could hear. And so we'd get it from him and we'd listen. And I used to look up at the light and then blink and move the dot around the room and put that, uh, you know. So we said, we're not gonna do that. We're gonna have children's church and we were gonna minister to the adults and the kids and we invest in them. And I, I just wanted you to see this here as we invest in adults and kids. And just so you know, this is the adult ministry. This is the kids ministry. The amount of time that kids still have on this earth is way more than the adults. Some of you thought, oh, we're taking care of the little ones. No, the little ones have longevity that we don't. And we wanna invest in kids ministry and say, God, 
Help us to love and cherish the kids because they have so much they can do for your glory. Let them, that, that flame burn bright for you, God, and let them stay strong. And can I just speak right now to any teens or children that are watching this message, and I know some are. Um, can I just say this? It's, it's worth it to live for Jesus. It's worth it to stay pure. It's worth it to not bow down and not compromise. The world is just pushing in on you and say, don't hold your convictions. We're here saying, hold your convictions. I remember, hold it. come on, let's clap for that. Hold your convictions, stand strong. It's worth it. I remember as a teenager wondering, some of my friends were falling, and I was like, is it worth it? Is it worth it? Is it worth it? And my parents said, it's worth it. Stay pure. It's worth it. Don't give in to the things of this world. It's worth it. Just live for Jesus with your whole life. And I'm telling you, same thing. It's worth it. Live for Jesus. The peace that will flood your life, that you sow to the Spirit, you'll reap of the Spirit. You don't spend that. You don't have to go down that road and live and, and try the sin to see if you like them. You live for God and you say, I never went down that road. I live for God my whole life. You don't have to even dabble in it. Live for God. It is absolutely worth it. And, and if I could say this to um, parents right now that are trying to have a baby and you're wondering, you know, I just want to speak to just a group of people. First of all, those of you that open up your home as foster parents, God bless you taking care of those children. God bless you that you do that. That's amazing that you would do that. My mom and dad were foster parents and opened up their home to about 100 girls throughout the years and they were part of our family. Thank God for that. Those of you that have adopted, praise God for that. I thank God for every family that adopts. I thank God for every family right now that is trying to have a baby and you're saying, God, I need a baby. We're praying for a baby. Could we have one through natural birth or through adoption? And I just wanna pause. God, right now, I just pray for those wondering, uh, will they ever have a child in their home? I pray that if that's the desire of their heart, you'd open up that pathway for them to conceive and have a baby in Jesus' name or to be able to love on someone that deserves to be loved in a new family. And so God, I pray that they would welcome in a new child however you see fit, but God, may you give them the desires of their heart, Lord Jesus. May you give them the desires of of their heart. D.L. Moody, he pastored a great church in Chicago. He started Moody Bible Institute and he said this, if I could relive my life, I would devote my entire ministry to reaching children for God. Church, I'm calling on us to redouble our efforts to reaching children for God, to volunteer, to overflow and say, we're in, we're in, we're in. And don't say, I did there, been there, done that. Some of you have patience. Some of you can thank God and you can pop into kids ministry and pop out. I hear grandparents say this, we're not grandparents, so I don't know this yet but they say like, it's amazing. You get the kids and then you get to give them back. All right, so you can watch kids at children's church and then you can hand them to their parents. You can do that. I'm just praying we'll be dedicated. We'll be dedicated. I wanna encourage you in today's day and age with the education system like it is. And I thank God for all the godly teachers that are out there. I do. But there are many with an agenda that is counter to what we believe. And I can tell you strong enough as a parent and as a pastor, don't skip church. If you have to miss church because you're not in proximity to church, 
be online. If you're online, don't think it can wait till another day. You don't miss. I mean, get your children on a global team. Let them see the lost around the world and get a bigger heart than just what's right next to them. I would, I would consider, uh, again, I don't want to offend the teachers that love Jesus. I wish every teacher loved Jesus. I wish that 20 years ago, we would have flooded the education system with Christian teachers and every Bible college would have said, that's what we're going to do. We're going to flood the education system, but it didn't happen that way. And now there's people fighting against it. But I would consider homeschooling, co-ops, Christian schools. If you're in the public school, I would be actively involved in what they're doing. I would be actively involved in what they're learning. That was probably a blessing of COVID and people were seeing what their children were learning and parents were stepping in. Children are under attack, parents are under attack. Several years ago, Melissa Harris Perry was on MSNBC and she said, when talking about public education and children, she said, we need to break through our private idea that kids belong to their parents or kids belong to their families and recognize that kids belong to the whole community. Kids belong to their parents. Kids belong to their parents. We let you educate them. We, we send them to school, but they're still our kids, okay? And, and they're our kids. And it's okay if we don't want them to be exposed to things that are way beyond their understanding. And it's okay if we want you to not fight against the things we believe, okay? It's okay if we want you to stick to math and reading and those things and not get into the social stuff and, and try to experiment on our kids. They're our kids and we're gonna fight for them. We're gonna say, no, we're not gonna violence, no violence. And, and do not go to a school meeting and, and threaten at all. Be bold, be strong. Don't you dare threaten violence. But I want to tell you this. I think our attorney general right now should be ashamed with the way they've been treating parents as domestic terrorists just because they're concerned about, these are our kids. These are our kids. Hey, we love and cherish them more than the government ever will. And so let's be in partnership here and let's love the kids. Now at River Valley Church, we are gonna train them, we're gonna disciple them, we're gonna grow them and we're gonna do all that we can. And as we're in this community, let's be salt and light. Let's be out there and let's, let's stand up for our children. Let's love our children. Let's disciple our children. Let's be involved and engaged. That used to not worry about where your kids were running around in the neighborhood. You didn't worry. It's just, it was safe, then it didn't get safe. Then you didn't worry about school, now you're worried about school. I can remember my mom and dad going in and being like, yeah, we're, we're moving to another class. We, we're just picking a different teacher. And I was like, can you do that? They're like, yeah, we can. We're the parents, you know? Man, we gotta, we love our kids. We will not lose the inheritance of our children. We will not lose the inheritance of our children. We will pass on our faith. We will share our faith. We will love these children. Jesus loved them, and we will too. So God, I pray right now that we will love, cherish, protect our children. We will raise them in the ways of the Lord. We won't just send them off to church. We're gonna come to church with them. We're gonna talk about the sermon afterwards. We're gonna do soap, scripture, observation, application, prayer time with them. We're gonna be involved in there. We're gonna volunteer. We're gonna be involved in this. 
And God, will work together to raise these children in the ways of the Lord. God, help us to be more creative with outreaches. May we fund them and fuel them and reach out in the community more. God, I pray for people to bring kids to church. I can't tell you how many stories that I've heard, God, that of people that they brought kids to church with them. May they be the house that the neighborhood kids love to be at because that house loves children and takes care of them and protects them. They're safe in that home. And so God, we pray for that. God, help us to love the children like you did. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen.